the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. Buckle up and start your engines. This is You Ought to Know with Dave Stahl. With 30-plus years of automotive experience, Dave is here to educate you on everything from repairing your vehicle to the latest industry news and trends. If it's automotive, Dave covers it. It's time for You Ought to Know with Dave Stahl on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to the You Ought to Know show, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. This hour is brought to you by Southwest Point of Sale. Give them a call, 800-540-2149 if you're looking for a cashier. Replacement? It would be self-checkout. Walmart does it. Home Depot does it. So does Costco. The beauty is you get seven-day-a-week, 24-hour-day service. If your doors are open, their doors are open. Jeff and Mark will come out to your location, take a look. And if it fits, hey, it won't cost you any more than it would be for the price of a cash register. You can do meat, produce, scales. You can even uh, work offline. Give them a call. Southwest Point of Sale. Get up. Get educated. Find out the latest and the greatest. 800-540-2149. Do me a favor. Tell me her right here on KCBQ AM 1170. Also, hot rods and custom stuff. If you're into hot rods, you can go to 2324 Auto Parkway in Escondido. It'll be just like going to Motor Trend TV. Hot Rods, customstuff.com, 760-745-1170. Buy, service, or sale right there at Hot Rods and Custom Stuff. All right, I have my good buddy Carl Breyer, Brower from iccars.com, and we had a conversation on EVs. It seems they may have hit their range limit. Take a listen. Well, folks, I got my good buddy uh, Carl Brower. He is with uh, iccars.com, <laughs> and I always tell you that the show off air is always better than the one on air. But but we're going to talk about EV. Uh, kind of hits its limits as far as hybrids, spark demand, and Carl and iccars.com, they have researched this to death. All you got to do is go to the website, and you'll see even a longer version of what Carl and I are going to talk about. Carl, welcome to the show. Hey, Dave. Always fun being on with you. Yeah, it's it, it, isn't it crazy, though? I mean, tell us a little bit about what iccars has found out. Yeah, yeah, you know, we've got a great access to um, industry data because of all the vehicles that are sold through our site and the patterns of buying and research that we can see people doing and a great data team at the company. And so we're always crunching numbers, looking at what's going on in the industry. And what we decided to do was just, you know, look at the price and value of cars because we're always looking at that. But then instead of looking at it by like trucks versus SUVs versus versus sedans, we thought, let's look at it by power uh, powertrain, and uh, which, which vehicle groups are doing the best versus the worst. And what we realized was that in the past year, uh, the average used car came down about 5.1% in price, which is good news because we all know they've been crazy since the pandemic hit. So <clears throat> finally, some release of that pressure on the, on the new and used car pricing is bringing the price down. So used car price is down 5.1% in the past year, but used electric vehicle prices are down 33.7% in the past year. So six times as much. They've dropped six times as fast as uh, the price of uh, the average used car. Okay, and, okay. you know, that's, me, that's big. Let me stop you right there. Why do you suppose that is? Why did you, why are, did you guys were able to dig deeper to try to find out why it's been such a drop? Yeah, and there's there's several factors. If you were to say, well, what's the single biggest factor I could answer in two words? Elon Musk. <laughs> Elon Musk wanted to drop the price of his 
Teslas, new Teslas, because he was, he was starting to see a kind of uh, plateau in sales, and he wants sales growing, and he wants to tell his investors that sales are growing. So he was willing to do a short-term cut in price and profit to try to maintain the momentum of sales he was getting. Interestingly, he still didn't meet his sales goal in the last like quarter, um, but he's been dropping prices aggressively all through 2023. started about January last year, almost a year ago. And of course, when you drop the price of a new Tesla, what do you end up doing to use Tesla prices? They fall too, because no one's going to pay more for a used car than a new car. So if new car prices drop, the same models used values drop dramatically. And if Tesla is the biggest still representative of the electric vehicle segment in the U.S., he's got the bulk of the cars out there new and used for sale, and their car values are dropping, what's that do to all the other electric vehicle values? They drop too, because now someone says, well, I, I used to have to pay you know, $62,000 for a Model 3, so uh, an Audi e-tron for 55 seems like a good deal, but now I can pay... 49000 for that same Model 3, and that $55,000 e-tron doesn't look like the good deal it did six months ago. So all of this you know, cat, you know, cascades throughout the industry, new and used prices of EVs across the board, because primarily Elon Musk dropped the price of Teslas. Now, other things have happened too. We know that gas prices have moderated somewhat in the last year, and uh, not in California where you and I are, of course, but in most of the country they have. That reduces demand for used cars, or for, um, I should say, EVs. Uh, we've also seen a drop in um, consumer sentiment about buying generally because of both higher interest rates, almost everyone has to finance a car when they buy one new or used, and uh, inflation. Everything, you know, if you have to pay twice as much for a gallon of milk that you, than you did a year ago, your budget to go buy a car and your, and your willingness to go buy a car new or used probably drops a little bit. So... And then don't forget that electric vehicles are always more expensive than the equivalent gasoline car. So if you have to finance to buy a car and it costs you more to finance the car today than it did a year or two ago, and you have to finance a larger amount of money to buy the electric car versus the equivalent sized gasoline car, that further dampens your interest in EVs. So you roll it all together and EVs are down 33% in the past year versus 5.1% for the average used car. And don't you agree that the people that could afford to buy an electric car, pretty much bought all the electric cars that they could, that, you know, that they could afford to buy. The problem is the middle class couldn't ever, really couldn't afford them, you know, really like like the upper echelon can, and the lower class they can't even think about it. So it's almost like the market with you know everybody that could buy them bought them, and now they have no real reason to, to trade it in and get another one because they're probably happy with what they've got. That is 100% true, and that is another great point, Dave. And, and an earlier study we did in the last few months, we confirmed what was fascinating in terms of kind of market threshold for EVs, exactly what you're talking about. What we saw was that states like California, Washington, and Oregon, three of the biggest states for EV market share, were three of the slowest growing in their EV market share. And states like Montana or Mississippi or Alabama that had almost no market share a few years ago, they've grown much more rapidly. But they're growing from half a percent or one percent or one and a half percent of the of the market being EVs to like five percent. So they're tripling in market share, but they're growing from almost nothing. States like Oregon, Washington, California, they're somewhere between ten and ten and like seven and ten percent, and they're going from like eight to like ten point one, you know, or nine to like eleven if they're lucky. So this is very indicative of what I think what you're saying, which is that there's kind of a natural threshold for electric vehicles in any given location, in any given market. And once they hit that threshold, which I would say is roughly 10%, it becomes much harder to sell them. And I think that 10% are what you were saying. They're people who really fit the mold of what makes sense for an EV. They've got multiple cars. Most people aren't comfortable with having only an EV in their fleet, but if they can afford multiple cars, they'll get one. And they have a place to park this multiple fleet that includes an indoor dedicated overnight charging 240 watt uh, or 240 uh, yeah, watt charging capability to charge the car without having to use you know, charging stations out there like gas stations. So you take all those people, wealthy, garage space, can afford and is willing to deal with multiple cars uh, and is willing to deal with kind of the, just what you have to deal with with EVs in general. And they all buy a car. And now the other, I'm going to say give or take 90% of the population, 
exactly what you said. They live in multiple housing things. They can't easily build their own charging thing. They can't afford multiple cars. They can only get one car. And when they're like, well, I can get one car that goes two to 300 miles and I got to wait several hours to charge it. Or I can get one car that I can charge, I can quote unquote charge in 10 minutes, you know, refuel in 10 minutes. Uh, all those other people who can't make the electric vehicle work in their lifestyle or make it make sense to them, they don't want one yet. Right. Well, and I, I, I went on a press event, and I had to be at the airport quite early, and I drove through Mission Valley here in San Diego, and I looked off to the right where I knew there was a charging center, and I counted almost 40 to 50 electric cars lined up <laughs> waiting to get charged up so these folks can go to work because they lived in these two brand-new massive apartment complexes that have no charging opportunities. So no one's talking about it because nobody gets up that early, but I think that is going to have an impact. And then what? We just found out the government was you know, allocated $7 billion for you know, charging centers to be put in, and not one has been built. You know, and we don't have the Henry Ford mentality like we, I mentioned off air. I talk to car manufacturers, as you do every time, and I say, where's the $10,000 electric car? And they yeah. look at you with deer in the headlights. They go, what are you talking about? I says, hey, if you can't build a $10,000 electric car that looks good, runs good, and has all the safety features, you're missing a very large electric vehicle market. So, it. But is it, are we eventually going to get there? Probably. I think hydrogen and and some of the other forms of propulsion are out there. It's just nobody really wants to look at them right now, and they have their challenges as well. And what's insane is we finally got the combustion engine tailpipe down to just about zero. Now we're going to throw it out and go somewhere else. just makes no sense. No, you're 100% right. And uh, I always say it's not that uh, I'm anti-EV, but I'm absolutely anti-EV mandate. Okay? Yeah. We, should, we should not be, you know, and, and are electric vehicles a solution to personal transportation? Absolutely. Are they the solution to personal transportation? No, just like gasoline isn't the solution and hydrogen isn't the, there is no single solution. Okay. And it's, it's like you have a box full of tools and someone comes up and says, I'm going to take like 40% of these tools. I'm just going to take them. So you can't use them anymore. You know, you don't, you don't want to do that when some of the tools are very perfectly suited. Look at, look at large trucks, semi trucks hauling things across the country. Okay. In this case, you want to move as much cargo as you can, as fuel efficiently as you can, as quickly as you can. I don't see any developments from electric vehicles that are going to beat a diesel engine when it comes to speed of refueling and weight that they can carry and distance that they can travel before they need to be refueled. Because every time you load more batteries onto a diesel, you're taking what should be the weight limit to, to carry cargo and eating into it with carrying your you know, uh, portable battery, your portable energy source. Uh, much more so, much much more so than a gasoline tank on a fueler, on a on a um, truck, on a semi truck. So that's just one example where it's like if we could get all the mail delivery trucks and all the UPS trucks and all the Amazon trucks that have a very consistent 30 or 50 mile radius place they drive in a given day and come back to get those all electric. Absolutely, knock it out. Go, love to see it. Well, it's funny. I, I was I went and picked up some food after radio last night, and I was talking to a buddy that I see almost every time I go there, and he's a dispatcher for a trucking firm that hauls fuel. And we got to talking about the Tesla, you know, Class 8 electric truck. And he says, yeah. He says, we just ordered two of them. And I says, so how's that going to go? He says, I have no idea. He says, they have limited range, you know, and once we get to the end of the range, what are we going to do? And he says, the company's saying, well, we just switch batteries. Well, who's going to switch batteries? You know, you just can't. It's not like switching a battery out of a, a normal car. You know, you got to have some training. You don't want to be electrocuted. You got weight. You got. He says, "I make it makes no sense to us whatsoever, and none of the drivers want to have anything to do with it because it's because it's going to cut their production down and they're going to lose money." So again, 
What happened when your mom said you had to eat Brussels sprouts? You didn't want to eat Brussels sprouts, and you were not going to eat Brussels sprouts. Well, the electric car has become the Brussels sprouts, and you got to quit trying to shove it down our throats. you got to make us excited, and we have to want to buy it. And it's got to make sense, and we got to have good charging uh, infrastructure. But, man, are we a long way away. No, you're you're 100% correct, and it's like you're saying, you know, the the thing that drove the auto industry 120 years ago, 110 years ago, was capitalism. You know, it was Henry Ford saying, I can do this and make money at it because I can create natural consumer demand. That is not what's driving this current uh, push toward EVs. It's completely driven by non-consumer. It's not a consumer pull. It's a government regulation push, and that costs a lot of money. And, well, most times when you look at past government regulation pushes and and you see how they did, they didn't do too well. Um, Also, don't forget the time element. I always just bring up the time element. You know, Dave, is the world moving slower or faster, okay? Are people more or less patient? Do people want to get more done or less done? Do they expect things to happen faster or slower than they did even five, let alone 25 years ago? And now you're saying we're going to all drive around in cars that in their best possible case, and these are very rare, by the way, and I get, I get annoyed when I see these touted on all the specs for all these new EVs. The best possible thing, if you happen to have gotten your car down to 10%, which would make most people very nervous, and you happen to find a level three charger that happens to not be uh, broken or vandalized or have four guys in front of you waiting to use it and plug in, then you can do a 10 to 80% charge in 20 to 30 minutes. Best case scenario, that's still over twice to two two to three times as long as it takes to completely fill from 1% to 100% a gasoline car where you drive, where, where, where your light comes on, you're like, uh-oh, and you look around, or at worst, you p- type in your phone or your nav system in your car. Uh, there's one in seven minutes away, and you drive over to that gas station, and seven minutes after you drove over there, you're done. 14 minutes, including commute time, to solve your energy crisis in your car. You cannot do that in electric vehicles. Can not do it. And you're telling us in a world where everyone wants to move and everyone expects to move and things to happen faster, we're going to all start utilizing vehicles that have a natural slowdown in your productivity and functionality. Absolutely right. And we haven't, I'm out of time, but we haven't even gotten in to the fact of what a super high output fast charger does to a battery. Right. I mean, this this interview could go on and on and on and on. And, Carl, I always love talking to you. But, folks, if you need more information, iccars.com, I-S-E-E-cars.com. It's amazing the amount of uh, uh, information that's there. Because if you're going to buy an EV, you better darn sure do your homework and Once you've done that, if you still want to pull that trigger, at least you'll be educated. Carl, always enjoy talking to you. We're going to do this more often because I think we've got a lot more to talk about on this topic because, unfortunately, nobody else really is. I'm looking forward to it, Dave. Always great being on your show. And as uh, as I say, uh, the the automotive industry has never been more interesting than it is right now, so plenty to talk about. You got it, buddy. All right, take care. and uh, You have a great holiday season. You too. Take care, Dave. Folks, welcome back. You're listening to the You Ought to Know Show, FM 961, AM 1170, The Answer. This uh, segment's brought to you by Express Auto Service, 7633 Elkhorn Boulevard. Go to expressautoservicelamesa.com. Dave and Connie do all the work on all my old clunkers. They do a phenomenal job. They also work on classic cars as well. And they will be closed between the week of Christmas and New Year's, so... They deserve a well-deserved break, and I think they're going to have a wonderful time doing it. Hey, we got Kristen Barclay on the line, and she is driving the Genesis GV80. But before we get started, you know Nick Miles? Right. He's in a program that you would gaga over, and it's called uh, Operation Frodo. Are you familiar? Yeah. Yeah, they're out rescuing uh, beagles, and uh, yeah. the second year they've done it. It's great. Yeah, I called him St. Nick. Yeah, that's um, perfect. So I just had him on for an hour, 
him and Harvey Riggs and and two others. They're driving cross country, delivering beagles back to uh, uh, Oregon. Megan McKillop and Cappy Hodges. And so we did a whole hour about it, and we're going to see if we can't get some more rescue trucks. I volunteered to do any rescue work that would come to San Diego with with dogs, and I threw your name in the box because I figured you like to drive as much as I do. So, Yeah, I know that's awesome. I can't actually – I would have volunteered this year because they were looking for somebody. I can't actually be away from home right now just kind well, of uh, due to some – Well, you're running a business too. Yeah, well, yeah, and a little bit concerned about Marlon's health, so I'm I'm kind of tied to to DFW right now. But anything I can do here, yeah, um, you know, certainly happy to. We actually have a foster pup with us right now, yeah, a uh, little eight month old border collie. So <laughs> you're um, so bad. I told you you were going to keep that dog. Don't keep calling it a border. That dog is yours. Just name it. No, be done no, with this it. This one, no, no. This one's this one's a foster. No, no, no. My son volunteered to foster it because he wants to learn responsibility, and so he's mainly in charge. Uh-huh. So now he's uh he he has to get neutered before he can be um, placed for adoption. So we're just waiting on that. It's only been a month. We're just you know we're going through the process. So, <laughs> anyways, you know where the puppy hasn't been near because I'm not going to let him touch it. He hasn't been near the 2024 oh. Genesis GV80. Um, what too nice it's stunning and he's in that puppy phase where he wants to chew on things so i'm not about to put him in the car i mean i don't i don't i don't know what he could get his mouth on but probably the stitching or something you know oh trust me puppies can do anything i know they find ways um he he probably would not love the fact that you you uh the gear uh is a circular you know because that's not something he could grab and put his mouth on but certainly goes with the elegant design of the Genesis. And, you know, it's interesting because I was thinking, like, you know, wow, this is very uh, similar to a Bentley. Um, and then I had a friend that saw me driving and was like, hey, like, are you in a Bentley this week? And, you know, I just kind of started laughing, and I was like, oh, like, but it's funny that you thought that. I guess a lot of people mistake um, the GV80 for, for, like, a Bentayga. Um you know, fortunately, doesn't have the price tag of a Bentley. Uh, the one I was driving rings in at eighty-two thousand six ninety-five, um, but there's like five trims to choose from, mm-hmm. and so you could get into one for around fifty-five, fifty-seven thousand. Um, if you were in like the standard, I'm in the uh, Prestige Signature, so the top of the line. Um, but man, what a vehicle, right? I mean, just beautiful inside and out. I know that uh, the 2025 model has some design changes coming. Um, I'm sure they just improved on it because there's not a whole lot of room for improvement in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I just, I really like this vehicle. I, it's no surprise that, uh, last year KBB named it, uh, their highest rated midsize luxury SUV and it had the, uh, was a best buy award winner. Not really surprised by that at all. You know, what's interesting is, um, the test drive vehicle that I have, you know, it's available with a third row. Mine only has the two rows which I'm fine with, but I'm used to manufacturers usually loaning you the vehicles with the third row in just so you can kind of see the configuration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, they're, I mean, Genesis is probably the best kept secret out there. You're exactly right. They are. And so, you know, I frequently have conversations with friends who are looking at, you know, uh, Mercedes and BMW um, and say, you know, hey, have you, have you not to discount anything from those auto auto manufacturers and of mm-hmm. course i love the driving the german driving dynamics but i always say like have you considered a genesis and i think one thing that surprises them the most is that a um i think it's on the same level and b is when i start talking about the fact that they have a 10-year 100,000 mile powertrain warranty um that kind of blows them away and then it also has three years or 36,000 miles of uh, complimentary scheduled maintenance which uh, is always nice because, you know, you and I are always talking about, like, buy the package, buy the package, sure, buy the package. Sure. Um, it seems like there's been a trend. I, I know we've talked about this previously where manufacturers are making more and more things subscription-oriented and taking away things like those three-year complimentary. You know, it used to be that a lot of the luxury manufacturers automatically, you know, offered that. Now it seems like some are kind of pulling back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. I agree. But and then of course there's always a great warranty too. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you can't beat their warranty. It's amazing. Um, you know, they've got two engine choices in this. They've got the uh, the four cylinder or the six cylinder. I was in the six with 375 horsepower. They're both turbocharged. Um, 
it's, you know, the, the key fob has the, you and I have talked about this, the uh, parking assist where it can do the parallel and parking uh, perpendicular parking. Um, I've tried it in <laughs> controlled environments at like auto shows, but I've never used it while having a loan vehicle. I just. You don't just trust. don't have the nerve. I don't. I don't know if it's I don't trust me or I don't trust the vehicle. But either way, I don't want to have to replace a wall in my house or my neighbor's <laughs> house. So, um, But uh, great sound system in this vehicle, 21-speaker premium sound system. Um, I love the massaging seats. Uh, just, a, you know, an all-around beautiful vehicle. It's also a IIHS Top Safety Pick Plus Award as well. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean – they, they mark all the boxes. It's got styling. It's got looks. It drives great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. They just, and I've noticed they're starting to do a little bit more commercials on TV. I know you don't watch a lot of TV, but, you know, they're starting slowly but surely to put some TV commercials out there, which I think is an excellent idea because it's well worth it. Well, yeah, and I, you know, it's, it's interesting because any time I do bring up the name Genesis, you know what? <laughs> They get a lot of press out of that crash that Tiger Woods was in because that's the first thing people say. Is like, I know. I say, hey, I'm in a Genesis this week. They go, is it the one Tiger Woods was driving? You know, and so, um, I, I mean, it's good because it, 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 it stays front of mind, the safety. They're like, wow, you know, the speed, whatever, he walked away. You know, that that's great, amazing. Um, but they don't make the, the – they don't think about the fact that Genesis is a brand that also has, you know, sedans. And and other SUVs out there. I mean, this is their midsize. They have a smaller one. I would love to see them put a full size out, um, mm-hmm. and, and I think they could be competitive. They call their design language athletic elegance, and I think that's a great description, a very accurate description because it's beautiful, but it's not it's not overly dated. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have a design that's so in your face that you're like, you know, it's it's just kind of a timeless, classic, really nice luxury design um this is the one i had i don't know the name of the paint but it's like a almost like a matte paint see if i can find it it's really pretty it's a white and i don't normally white yeah white yeah it's just it's kind of it's just fun to look at it's it seems to you almost don't even notice that it's matte Mm -hmm. depending on how the light you know shines on it yeah i think i think i had one too and i really really like the paint it was really nice yeah, I, I was like, this is this would be one of my top picks if I was in the market for a luxury midsize SUV. This would be right up there. I mean, I I'd, I'd go back and forth probably with it and the BMW, but uh, I really do like what Genesis is doing. I've been a fan of theirs since they introduced the brand, mm-hmm. and they just continue to, like you said, check all the boxes. And um, I think they are on the rise. I think we're going to start seeing them, like you said, in more commercials, but in more driveways as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think more and more people, and I haven't seen any numbers on its resale value, but I know it's got to be good. I haven't either. I wonder if that's because, uh, you know, it's such a new brand. I think mm-hmm. this was introduced in 2021 uh, as far as the SUV. I wonder if people are just buying them and keeping them. But uh, yeah. that's something that I'll look at in the future. Yeah. No, I agree. Or you can check out the used car lots and see if they're there. How often do I drive past these car lots, Dave? Oh, I drive by all the time. I love cars. I'm listed as your hobby, though, you know? <laughs> you I'm just don't look. Out which kid needs to be. Listen, 13 and 15, you know uh, what I am now? I am my kid's chauffeur. How come your hair's not all white? <laughs> my daughter says it's turning in the back where I can't see it. <laughs> it's a reminder, Dave. Is that what it is? Is that what it is? I get you. I get you. All right. So, uh, by the way, I don't know about you, but I I will be here uh, Christmas Eve. Okay. Yeah, we can do that. All right. I've kind of figured you would be too. Just put your feet up, have a have a toddy, and call in. And we'll talk about something. I don't know what time off means. Neither do you. No, You're totally right. You're absolutely right. All right. How do people follow you around? Hey, find us at uh, focusdailynews.com. And uh, matter of fact, we had some new Lexus news up there this week. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you see where uh, Elon just recalled every uh, Tesla he's ever built? I know. I should have put a, a meme on our You Ought to Know page and said, like, Mark safe from the Tesla recall. Because <laughs> I, I know none of us that You Ought to Know have one. <laughs> no, not even. Not even. It's not even close. Yeah, I did a nice interview with uh, Carl Brower. 
talking about the uh, electric car. It was a it was a pretty good interview. Maybe I'll shoot it your way. It's that uh, it's the autopilot. You know, nothing yeah. good has come from that nope. so far. So hey, but they need yeah. guinea pigs. Sign up, folks. Get one while they're hot. <laughs> All right, <laughs> say hi to the family. Give Marlon a big hug, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds great. Thank you, Dave. All right, we're going to be taking a quick break. We come back. Guess what? They found a truck Brian fits in. A Ford F-350. Bad to the bone. Right here on FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks. Welcome back to You Auto Know. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. This is brought to you by... John's Automotive Care, 6267 Riverdale Street, San Diego. John's got like one, two, three, like four, four, three, four shops. Go to johnssandiegoautorepair.com. Napa Auto Care, AAA approved, ASC certified, 619-280-9315. He was part of the, the van giveaway. We gave away a van to a very neat family, the Fuentes. Uh, all you had 300 people sent in letters telling them if they needed vehicles. Just off KUSI alone, they got 80 requests in this lovely family. One plus a handful of money. Let's hear it for Napa. Hey, we got Brian Armstead on the line, buddy. Did you fit that truck in your driveway? Dave, I got it. Well, yeah, I had to. Uh, I had to clear out uh, some of the uh, some of the inventory. <laughs> God, because I'm sure yeah, it's a crew it's cab, a, a long bed, right? Yeah, man, it's it's a big, it's a you know, it's a it's a very large vehicle, brother. It's very very large. Now, the thing that I really that really impressed me the most, I've driven F one fifties and F two fifties before, Dave. This F three fifty, I literally could stretch both. I, this is the first time in years I've been able <laughs> to hit the accelerator without bending my foot in some ungodly type of way to to press down on the accelerator. Really? I literally could not touch the floorboard with my left leg. And it was, it's just such a comfortable vehicle to drive. It has the 6.7-liter high-output power stroke uh, turbo diesel engine. I'm sorry, I had the, uh, I had the yeah, turbo diesel, right. And um, it, it, it flies. It's it, super comfortable. I'm just, I can see why this car is one of the North American car truck and utility vehicle of the year finalists for 2024 date. Very quick in the category for uh, for trucks, the color, Chevy Colorado, the Chevy Silverado EB, and the Ford Super Duty. And I think it's no way, um, you know, just based on what I've driven, that the and it, the Chevy uh, Silverado EB is a very nice vehicle. But again, you know, I'm just, it's just not time, I think. Um, although I, I, I was taken by the, um, the uh, Volvo EX30, which was a finalist, but they had to pull out of the uh, cat uh, competition because they weren't able to deliver a car this calendar year. In order to be uh, qualified, you had to deliver a car this calendar year. Oh. So Ford, uh, my goodness, man, this is, you talk about a moneymaker for Ford. This thing right here, first of all, it's funny when you go to the, my, my mouse is not working. It's funny when you go to the consumer website for Ford, because they talk about all the different car vehicles that they uh, that they offer, they have uh, you know you can the vehicles you can have SUVs and cars. SU it should be SUV and car, Dave, because the only car Ford sells now is the Ford Mustang. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. But when you get to yeah, that's it. But when you get to the uh, Super Duty category, boy, do they have a vehicle for you? They have. Um, you can go F two fifty, F three fifty, F four fifty, and then when you get into commercial grade, you get F five fifty. Um, but it's it's really a cool a cool package. Now the F three fifty Super Duty, uh, the F three fifty XL starts at forty six um, uh, forty six oh one five, and it comes with a naturally aspirated six point eight liter uh, gas engine. Uh, can you know it? They all have incredible towing capability. Now, the top-of-the-line Super Duty can tow 40,000 pounds. I got that screen here somewhere about the top-of-the-line model. But can you imagine 40,000 pounds, Dave? 40,000 
thousand. I'm not, you know, I'm not stumbling with my words. The top model can tow 40,000 pounds. And um, it's just an incredible, incredible vehicle. The thing I really like the most about it is the ride comfort was simply incredible. Mm-hmm. I have never been in a pickup truck that was as comfortable as this F-350 Super Duty. You don't feel the bumps, you know, it, it, the unloaded ride quality, which is really king, uh, you know, when you when you compare how a truck does. Because if you have an empty bed, pickup trucks can, can bounce all over the road. I mean, they can just be, you know, they can they can be unsettled to the point where, like, in, in winter climates, you actually have people loading down the tailgates or the, the beds, rather, with sandbags because the tails can get a little happy in the wet and in, uh, in icy weather, for sure, and in snowy weather. Uh, not that they're not capable off-road, you know, or foul-weather vehicles. They just slide in the, in the behind. So, you know, I, I didn't you – know, the weather here has just been absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible. So – We've caught kind of this uh, late nor'easter, if you want to call it that, that uh, wreaked havoc in Florida and it's coming up the coast. We expect it uh, here in the uh, Maryland, D.C., Virginia area about 8 or 9 this evening, and it's just going to rain buckets all night long with high winds. So this is the kind of weather that, uh, you know, models like the Super Duty really excel because they have great traction. They have all kinds of safety features to enhance the traction. The same safety features that you find in cars now, uh, Dave, you find in trucks, and that was not always the case, particularly when it comes to uh, crash safety and rollover safety. Remember, Dave uh, Stahl, that back in the day, if you rolled a pickup truck, the uh, the roof was going to cave in on you. It was going to collapse. Right. So now they have, uh, and, and thankfully the, the manufacturers have stepped up, you know, they build vehicles that no matter who drives it, you know, they they have a, a good amount of crash safety, roof crush safety. Uh, now, they're still prone to rolling over more than a regular passenger automobile, but that's not anything that is, you know, in, inherent with the Ford, any of the Ford pickups, pickup trucks. That's just the uh, a, a law of physics with tall vehicles. If they're higher off the road, we're talking SUVs and uh, pickups and, you know, and, and even vans are taller. They're going to roll a little faster. If you, if you don't pay attention to what you're doing, like if you hit a ditch or something like that, they're going to, they're going to roll over. Uh-huh. It's just the way it is. Even with all of these electronic aids that you have aboard. Uh, let me do the trim walk because it's very impressive with this F3, um, F350. I'd started with the XL at 46015, XLT 52160, the Lariat, F-350, 63,460, King Ranch, just the kind of luxury doodad, the start of the luxury doodad, uh, you know, accoutrements on the vehicle, 78,025, uh, Platinum, 78,915, and I had the limited, 98,270. Uh, onboard scales with a smart hitch, you, weigh your t- you can weigh your weight with this smart hitch, LED projector lights. Uh, heated, ventilated passenger seats, twin panel moonroof, power running boards, power tailgate with a camera, and a very cool step that's built into uh, the, um, the the tailgate. A reverse sensing system, ball bench digital instrument display, a cluster with um, a head-up display, and two kilowatts pro power on board. Uh, Dave. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to drive this F-350. I've driven the F-150, and it's a very nice vehicle. But it pales in comparison with this F-350, and perhaps the F-450, uh, you know, that, that starts to get into the commercial range because that's where you get the dualies. And, uh, you know, the limited for that one is a, is a big hunking dually uh, pickup truck with, you know, eight lug wheels on it, you know, just, 104030. So mm-hmm. these trucks are not inexpensive, but uh, if you have a need for a pickup truck, Dave, uh, you, you really can't wrong, go wrong with the Ford Super Duty. Even the second row has enough room for Brian Armstead to sit and uh, sit back there and stretch out his legs. Really cool feature of the second row is that it completely folds up. So if you have some long or wide cargo, like a like some electric bikes or a canoe mm-hmm. or not, not a canoe, 
you knew, but you can put a lot of gear in that back uh, seat area if you fold up the uh, the rear seat. seat. And even with the seat folded down, you still have storage space underneath. So they thought about all the little uh, things that are necessary. The only the only thing that uh, the, the Rams have on these F-150s are the uh, Ram boxes in the, uh, in the bed, like the storage boxes where you can either put tools or you can put ice doing a tailgate or something like that. But uh, this war uh, for supremacy at the top of the truck game, it's, it's been on for years. And for how many years now has the Ford F Series been on top of the sales game? For a long time, 40-plus years. I don't know the exact number, but they've been at it for a long time. And, you know, it's, it's easily the best-selling vehicle uh, year after year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just very cool. Well, I would work. I would love to get one, but until gas drops below five dollars a gallon, I think I'll, I think I'll pass. What does diesel run up, Dave? Oh, it's uh, six something. Oh my goodness! Wow. Yeah, no, yeah. Wow. And if you listen, if you listen to our governor, he says that the gas companies are gouging us. Only in California, and no other state, just California. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, hey, I got some property if you believe that one. Yeah. I should uh, point out that if you tow 40,000 pounds with yeah. the uh, series, you know, with the Super Duties, you have to have a gooseneck. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you can't, you know, yeah, you can't yeah. use the ball. So, what <laughs> what color did you get? What color was yours? Because they've got great uh, colors. Yeah, you know, Dave, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed, man. You don't know the color? <laughs> I don't. I was. I was scrambling to find the, uh, the Monroney. I've been cleaning up all day, trying to get things ready for. You know, my house is always a disaster because I'm always on the road, and uh, I put the Monroney somewhere, so I don't have the exact color. It was. It was. It was an attractive color. Hey, it, it was, was either red, blue, or white. We're okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't put me on the spot like that, man. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I'm not going to put you on the spot. I wouldn't do that to you, brother. Hey, yeah, I am. Uh, I am broadcasting. Hey, I'm I'm broad I'm broadcasting New Year's Eve. I mean Christmas Eve. Are you going to be around? Kristen, you know I'll be here. You know I'll be here. All right, you the man. I wanted, I wanted to point out very quickly that sure. I only had the vehicle for two days because it was specifically brought to me for a last minute uh, check before taxway oh. voting. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't have the full week with it uh, to really kind of look at it. I just got in it. I drove. I drove it for a couple hundred miles, and then I came and picked it up the next day. Gotcha. So, um, Probably went through a drive-through. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, Brandon uh, has expressed a uh, desire to to listen in on on what the uh, goodies are. You can put a whole lot of diapers in that back seat, Brandon. So uh, <laughs> go to Costco, load up, get a year worth of baby diapers in the back seat of that uh, that Ford Super Duty. <laughs> hey, and by the way, Nick Miles gave you a great, great shout out. Nice. Well, because I, I I had him, and I had a bunch of his guys and girls on from their Frodo organization. Yeah, yeah. it's an amazing project. Yeah, so I gave him a whole hour, no commercials, totally free to let him get the word out. So I'll send him that show so he can use it to see if he can generate funds and revenue. And I told him, awesome, dude, dude, go to the press fleet. Once they get done with a truck or a van, it either gets crushed, devined, or, you know, I mean, come on. They'll donate it. We'll wrap the crap out of it. That's not true, Dave. The uh, press vehicles are wholesale to to dealers. Not all of them. They can get rid of one to to Nick. They ain't going to kill them. No, the only only ones that get crushed are pre-production models. That's it. Really? Yeah. Uh They do not get crushed. None of them. Hmm, That's not what I heard, but I trust you. They have to crush you have to crush them by law, but everything else is either sold family, family and friends to us hmm. uh, for the manufacturers that offer those kind of programs, or they go to their wholesale to uh, to dealers. With the top dealers being uh, at the front of the line and scoop up, you know, the models that are uh, most coveted. Man, that'd be one beat up press car. Whew. All right, buddy, I'm gonna go <laughs> and let you go, and we will be talking next week. And I look yeah, forward to it. Great day. All right, take care, buddy. All right, folks, this is FM 961 AM 1170. We're the answer.
right, folks. Welcome back to the You Ought to Know Show, FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. The brought to you by FTS Napa Repair Shop, 7954 Daggett Street in lovely Kearney Mason, 858-279-7724. Go to FTSauto.com. They are Napa Auto Care. You can't beat them with a stick. They are unbelievable. And Collision Dock. Used to be a bumper dock. Now it's full-blown body shop. They do it all. Insurance companies love them. 3885 Convoy Street. Go to CollisionDock.com. CollisionDock.com. Tell them you heard it right here on KCBQ. All right. I had Miguel Mancila, Senior Trend and Future Manager with Ford. Interesting report. Take a listen. All right. Well, hey, folks. You know, I do the Ford Annual Trend Report just about every year. I Looking back, I've done quite a few of them. And we've got Miguel Mancila, Senior Trends and Futuring Manager. I hope I didn't destroy your last name. No, you're good, Dave. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Well, and you know, this is an interesting time for the report as to what we're going to see in 24, because I think the country has made an awful lot of moves, changes, uh, whether, and I think the pandemic had a lot to do with it. So kind of give me give the folks a rundown. I mean, if you want to hit it section by section, you're more than welcome to. We got well being and polarized. We got work career. Which direction yeah. would you like to go? Well, uh, as you mentioned, we've been doing this for a long time. This is the uh, the twelfth year, and it was back in the in the beginnings uh, until 2020. It was an actual book, physical book that was distributed internally, and now it's an online website that anyone in the, in the public can access at fortrends.com. And uh, this year, uh, all the information that we gathered uh, came from 16 countries. Uh, 16,000 people were interviewed. And the information is analyzed and, and segmented by generational cohorts, uh, gender, countries. So that allows us to, to have a really good view on what people are thinking about all these different topics. Um, as you mentioned, uh, we, we have some changes. Uh, that's the most interesting portion for me, where you can see how the, the ideas of the, of the society are, are changing over time. Last year, there was uh, still a lot of, of like influence uh, of COVID, and uh, it was mostly related to um, attitudes towards um, reclaiming control and feeling um, all these influence of, of uh, burnout and escapism and uh, mindfulness. But this year is a bit more optimistic. Uh, people are, are kind of taking control, taking charge of their lives. And while we still live in an uncertain world, they are being more and more uh, specific in, in taking actions to take care of themselves. Yeah, um, I, I, I think the COVID really brought a light to the, to they're saying, look, I'm in control. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make my life better no matter what. So mm-hmm. let's start with well-being and prioritizing self. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we call that section investing in me because that's mainly what people are doing. There's a, we're still living in a world of constant uncertainty, right? But uh, and people are still feeling a lot of anxiety. Uh, one of the results we got was that. Half of adults globally report feeling anxious at least once a week. And uh, they are taking care of, of their lives now by, by making these deliberate decisions. Uh, for example, three out of four are prioritizing themselves uh, so that they can have this sense of stability. Uh, almost half of the respondents say that they are prioritizing cutting toxic relationships. And... Uh, I thought that was one of the best because how many people back in my era, and I'm old, used to stay together, as the old saying goes, for the kids. And they would, (laughs) husband and wife would be miserable. So I'm glad to see people, because I mean, we live longer if you live in a a less toxic uh, relationship. What about work and career? Yeah, in terms of work and career, actually, that was one of the most surprising results that we got, we, we asked a kind of a provocative question there, uh, we, and the result was that over half of the, of the global workforce, that's 52%, uh, 
would accept a 20% pay cut in favor of prioritizing their quality of life. So just imagine 20% of your, of your pay uh, just, just to get a better quality of life. Um, we, saw, we saw that three out of four would prioritize a balanced personal life over their career advancement. So you can see that the, the priorities are shifting. We're taking care of ourselves. Right, and then 69% of Gen Z and Millenniums would trust AI to provide career or job advice in the next yeah. five years. So let's talk exactly. about it because that's kind of the gorilla in the room because you know technology runs at 180 miles an hour and you either <laughs> get off the train or it's going to pass you by. Yeah, the, the, we actually have two full sections dedicated to AI this year. Um, in terms of work and life balance, uh, most people feel that AI will contribute to a better world work and life balance. That's 60%. And even in, it, could, it might even guide them to, hit a, to get a new job. 69% believe that it's going to help. And we have kind of mixed uh, feelings about AI. On one hand, 60% uh, of people believe that AI will become an essential part of their lives by 2035. And 55% uh, of adults, over half of the population, believe that it will be stronger than the human mind in 10 years. So we think that it's, it's powerful, that it's going to help us. But on the other hand, uh, we have been tracking these questions for, for some time now, and we compared the results of this year versus 2019. And we see more negative feelings at the same time. Uh, over half of the population are afraid of AI, and that was an 11% increase uh, since 2019. And in terms of understanding AI, uh, that has decreased by 6% compared to 2019. Half of, of the people that responded say that they don't really understand what's going on with AI. Right. Well, AI is so good at what it does, I think that's where the fear comes in. But then I, w I thought it was interesting that uh, uh, a percentage thought, that nah, it's not going to affect me. Well, you better, That's what... you better be careful. You better be careful with that one because you just you just never know. I mean, you know, uh, it, it could be scary. And then the next one was uh, sustainability, uh, where climate. Yeah. You know. Yeah. We always ask about sustainability. Uh, that's a really important aspect for the company. So we always have a section devoted to that, um, and. Uh, this, this year, it's kind of a complicated situation. For, on one side, we have a global urgency to fight climate change. 84% uh, globally agree that it is important to actively fight climate change, and 70% are worried that climate change will affect them personally, right? So there's this, this urgency to, to uh, do something about it. Unfortunately, since 2020, we have seen a 5% decrease decline in people actively changing their behavior to help uh, the fight against climate change. So um, actually another, another fact that, I, that figure that I have is 64% of adults would only embrace sustainable initiatives if the inconvenience is small or non-existent. So on one hand, we know that it, 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 it's affecting us and that change is needed, but on the other hand, we are not taking action. We, we only do something if it's not very inconvenient. Well, I, I kind of explain climate change like this. Remember back in the day you'd go into a restaurant and the waitress would say, do you want the smoking section or the non-smoking section? And if you mm -hmm. said the non-smoking section, you sat on the left side of the dining hall. But if you were a smoker, you were on the right side. But there was nothing in between. And to me... Those are the countries that are not within the United States that do not follow any type of green or try to keep you know their their air clean. I mean they're they're heavy polluters. So until we can get the world on stage, that's number one. Number two, electric vehicles. If the government had or the world would have put infrastructures in first, then asked the car manufacturers to build cars then I think we would be ahead of the game. And you need a $10,000 electric car for the guy and girl that was working a minimum wage job that uh, could not afford 
okay, the cheapest electric car out there is Chevy Bolt and it's 28000 and change. That's still out of the reach of a lot of these kids. So we, we, we kind of went after electric vehicles in the wrong direction. I think, they're, I think they, have a, they have a definite job in, in the world. They just, they just didn't go about it personally. Uh, that's how I feel in the right way. I think that our our some of the the information that we got from the survey would be in line with some portions of that where we asked uh, what people should what should people do to help help fight climate change, and the top responses were carpool, taking public transit, or drive electric vehicles. So. Forty-seven percent of people responded that driving electric vehicles could be a solution. Nevertheless, and only four percent. Miguel, we used to carpool back in my day. When yeah. I was, I mean, I used to carpool with five guys okay. all the time when I worked uh, for Ace Hardware, and and we never had an issue with it. But all of a sudden, we had totally. I mean, you can't. I don't know hardly even these carpool companies are not doing well because people just don't want to do it. Yeah, actually, only 4% of the people that responded to the survey say that they actually drive an EV. And something similar happens with hybrid. Only 35% of the people believe that others should drive hybrid vehicles to help climate change, but only 8% of, of people do. So a little bit more than EVs, but still not in line with the, the idea, right? 35% believe that they should drive hybrid, but only 8% do. And in line with what you were saying, oh, some of the reasons that we gathered were that people are worried about not having enough infrastructure to support EVs. And we have been checking this year over year since 2020, and it has been stable, right? It hasn't changed. And uh, there's also the, the situation where people are waiting to buy an EV until more, more people they know have EVs, kind of to, to figure out a, a third, second-hand experience if, if things are going well for them. So uh, nevertheless, in, in spite of these, 69% uh, globally believe that an electric vehicle is, is the future. All right. Well, we got one more, but I've got a, I just had my, I have a second interview and he just, I think he just jumped online. Uh, so we'll just have him hang in there for a second because I do want to talk about, uh, okay. but not least, and that's parenting because yeah. that's falling apart. Well, uh, they, they, we're calling it family 2.0 where, where we can see a lot of changes in the concept of family. I believe that some of the, the most uh, interesting ones are the changes in terms of uh, getting married. Uh, less people think that getting married is necessary. Uh, 62% uh, believe that it's no longer needed. And having children is also uh, falling. 57% believe that it's no longer necessary to have a, a children, to have a complete family. So we see on one hand, marriage and, and having children is decreasing. And on the other hand, we see people having more pets. So it feels like uh, we are replacing some of those children with pets. I, um, I know. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Miguel, yeah. website where people can find uh, more in-depth information on this trend. Yes, it's FordTrends.com. And uh, they, we are launching the report, and it should be available later uh, uh, tomorrow morning. Yeah, we're, I, this this won't air until Sunday, so I, I'm I'm honoring the embargo. Oh, okay. I think you're going to get a lot of traffic. Hey, and I look forward to 2025. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dave. Have a, a great afternoon. All right, buddy. Thank Take you. Care. Thank you for your time. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.